David W. Allen grew up in Pocatello, Idaho. He served a mission in the Auckland, New Zealand mission. After returning home, he graduated from Idaho State with a bachelor's and master's degree in speech and language pathology. During that time, he met his sweet wife, Lisa, on a blind date, and they were married in the Idaho Falls Temple in 1986. Brother Allen worked as a speech therapist for eight years, mostly in early childhood settings. And then in 2001, he was hired at BYU-Idaho to work in the Early Childhood Special Education Program. While working at BYU-Idaho, Brother Allen returned to graduate school and received a PhD in education from the University of Idaho. David and his wife have four daughters and one son. They now have 14 grandchildren and another one on the way. He has served in several elders quorum presidencies and bishoprics along with many youth and primary callings. During my time here, I've been so blessed to work with you wonderful BYU-Idaho students. On my first day of classes of my first semester as a teacher here, my youngest son was born. This past summer, 22 years later, that son was married in the Idol Falls Temple. We welcome our new daughter-in-law, and I'm so grateful and proud of all my children and their spouses and my 14 grandchildren. Seeing all of our children and their spouses in the temple was was sweet, and to be there with my wife was just a piece of heaven. They bring me so much joy. In the temple, after speaking those beautiful words of the seating ordinance, the seer said, you have everything now, everything you need now. I've pondered those words, and it's great to know that once we reach the seating room, we are at that point where we have received all the ordinances, entered into all the covenants necessary for salvation, but we must now live those covenants and do as Moroni said, become the sons and the daughters of God. And when, we shall, and when he shall appear, we shall be like him. In the gospel, we have or will have everything we need, but the journey of becoming is still in progress. Now I humbly invite the spirit to help us as we consider some special words recorded by Matthew and spoken by our Savior. When the disciples asked Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. And he said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The Savior continued, And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. I heard two messages in these sacred verses, important for all of us that have any association with children and especially for new parents and soon-to-be parents, and that includes many of you. The first is we are asked to be converted and become as little children. And the second message 
I hear, is that we should treat and receive little children in Christ's name. Let's explore these two incredible teachings of the Savior. When I hear become as little children, we probably think of some of the positive things we know about children. It's reported that adults laugh 17 times a day. Children laugh 300 times a day. We also know that they are innocent and humble and they say the cutest things. Sometimes we see that they tune into the most important things of life, such as relationships and forgiveness. When we think of those things, we can see why Christ commanded us to be like little children. But with my experience with children, I could easily say, if you're going to become like little children, then you should throw tantrums, pout when we are seeking attention, and be egocentric most of the time. No, I'm not talking about your roommate. I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm talking about little children. Yes, these are true negative behaviors of children who are learning to deal with newly introduced emotions. We also learn from children during these not so great moments of distress. I've discovered both by study and observation that these misbehaviors are a form of communication and often can tell us that there is a need not being met. We as mortals often miss those communications and respond in a counterproductive way. God, our perfect parent, on the other hand, responds with kindness, but with clear expectations perfectly. Can we receive children in a more godly way in those bad moments? Can we become as little children humble and willing to learn even on our bad days? Let me illustrate these possibilities with a few examples from the child labs here on campus in which I have spent many years learning with my students in practicum classes. We had a preschooler who would get upset. He would turn tables over, he'd hit the teachers and intimidate the other children. This little boy frequently became the topic of our post-lab discussions as we addressed our frustrations and possible solutions. In the observation booth one day, the mother of that very child showed up as we visited. Mom explained that her son was adopted at age two. <laughs> and they had little knowledge about him before he was adopted. She also explained of some of the struggles they had at home. As his situation was shared with the preschool teaching team, our love for him increased. As we considered his life and the challenges he had, we began each day to spend time with him, giving him positive attention during the moments when he was on task and giving him choices to help and feel more in control. We met some needs and filled his cup, so to speak. Over time, he responded positively to the teachers and other children. Our team and the parents were all excited to see him become happier and experience preschool positively. Most children are a joy and show pleasant behaviors most of the time, but I've seen almost all children I know 
behave, misbehave too. They might push, bite, pout, run away, be anxious, melt down emotionally, and even act defiantly. However, when we respond in a kind and loving and peaceful way to a child, and our intentions are to help them meet their needs, the child often becomes teachable and starts to develop in a positive way. It is fitting that our dear prophet, President Russell M. Nelson, has pled with us in our April conference to become peacemakers. And a few weeks ago, he pled with us to think celestial. He said, in situations that are highly charged and filled with contention, I invite you to remember Jesus Christ. He also told us that we can literally change the world one person and one interaction at a time. It is true with our fellow men, and it is true with our children. So remember Jesus Christ when you are dealing with a child in a stressful situation. Let me share another experience from the child labs here on campus to illustrate the power of a celestial thinker or a peacemaker when dealing with children. But also, I want you to think about how children become teachable as we should be, as we're being, trying to be like little children. Free play in the preschool went well this particular semester. But as the teachers tried to direct the preschool children, many of the children created chaos. They would avoid the teacher's expectations. They'd miss or disrupt the gathering experience. So I decided I would go in and give them a hand. I thought to myself, the, ch the children should respond to a male teacher with a white shirt and a tie, right? I walked into the room, and the first little girl that I verbally prompted to go to the gathering time, and with a gentle nudge on her shoulder, did the shoulder roll, and away she went. The white shirt and the tie had no impact, nor did the male teacher. I thought, let's see, what have I been telling my students? Oh yeah, focus on relationships with kindness, set limits, and help the children make good choices. That's what I've been trying to tell them. Desperately trying to know how in this situation to do that, I felt kind of like a student. I noticed that she had pink polka dotted jeans. I have four daughters, so I know a little bit about polka dots. <laughs> so I asked her about her polka dotted jeans. She pointed out immediately her pink cowboy boots, but she wanted to take them off. In my mind, I said, oh no. We're never gonna get over to gathering time. Then she started taking her socks off. My impulse was, I must stop her. But I waited and I listened. As things unfolded, she took both her socks and her boots off because there was sand in them. So we cleaned out her socks and boots and put them back on and invited her to go to gathering time was something to hold, and she went right over, sat down, and participated. Her needs were met. Someone cared more about her than her own agenda, and she followed the simple routine of the day. Even when children are struggling, we can take a lesson from them. Part of becoming like children means when we are struggling, emotionally, physically, or spiritually, we can choose to feel Christ's grace and love 
and become teachable. I also, also I learned with a little stretching on our part, we can remember Christ and receive a child's struggles and tantrums with kindness, and then watch that little soul become a te teachable. When I was struggling to know how to help children in stressful situations, I remember learning from a dear colleague who gently prompted a resistant preschooler three or four times over a short period of time. I was watching her in the observational booth. Finally, the child realized that the expectation was not going away, and he responded positively. Because of the kindness she showed, the relationship was maintained. Integrity of the child was respected, and the child acted with his own agency. Since that day, I've taught my students to be gentle and persistent, so children know our actions are in their best interest. Children need limits. They need expectations, but they also need to be loved and respected. The proclamation on the family states, husbands and wives have a solemn responsibility to rear their children in love and righteousness, to teach them to love and serve and observe the commandments of God. Happiness in the family life is most likely to be achieved when founded upon the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Successful marriages and families are maintained through forgiveness, respect, love, and compassion. Living these words of Christ, provided through the family proclamation, are how to receive a child in Christ's name. I believe we receive children in the name of Christ when we treat and help them in the way the Savior would. Now, for some of us, we may not have parents, family members, or even friends that respond with the love we need, but we always have the Savior that responds and a Father in heaven that is ready to receive us with love, even on your worst day. No matter what experience you have had or lack of control of the past, we can strive to build a family that is more like our heavenly parents. God our Father parents us perfectly, but we as developing spirits often parent our children imperfectly because we are learning as we go. We will have to ask forgiveness and seek for the Spirit to refine us as we parent our children. As offspring, we will have to forgive our parents when they fall short. But remember, as our dear prophet has counseled us, we can change the world one interaction at a time. Like all children in any setting, they must learn to live in a world of expectations. We're learning that, right? We as children of God must see that God has expectations for us and he chastens those he loves, but he wants us to become and not just conform. When we are corrected or chastised, we must remain teachable or God will not be able to mold us. Our broken hearts and our contrite spirits are essential to being sanctified by God's Holy Spirit. God loves us so much, so much that he has high expectations, but at the same time, he has mercy that is so immense that we cannot comprehend it. 
a lifelong struggle in parenting or teaching or leading is finding the balance between expectations and compassion, justice and mercy, or standards and love. Years ago, I asked a question in a faculty meeting about how do you balance justice and mercy in a college course? Kim B. Clark, president of BYU-Idaho at that time, explained this. He told us to have high expectations and high love as we work with our students in our courses. Any other variations such as high love and low expectations or low love and high expectations will likely not help the students learn nor reach his or her full potential. These principles have helped me to understand teaching, teaching, learning, and the developing process. But the struggle has not changed over the last 22 years. I am still trying to find that Goldilocks zone because every student and every child I work with is just different. In parallel, God, our Heavenly Parent, sends teachers to his children using prophets who have the same wrestle. Did you walk away from General Conference a few weeks ago feeling God's love, but also being prompted to do more or even to change? In a very profound way, these chosen servants teach us that God loves us, and Jesus Christ has done everything that is essential for our journey through mortality. Our dear Savior has already paid the full price for us, but we continue to need to repent, live the commandments, overcome weaknesses and trials so we can transform and become. Elder D. Todd Christofferson said, for most of us, the changes are more gradual and occur over time. Being born again, unlike a physical birth, is more a process than an event. And engaging in that process is the central purpose of mortality. I believe when we enter into God's rest, we have faith that our perfect Father and our perfect Savior have taken care of everything. And then we turn to them with our weaknesses and as calves in the stalls, and they stretch and they sanctify us day by day, nudge by nudge, Listen to Paul's words here. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, those are the nudges, they are the sons and daughters of little children of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Can you feel the high love, Abba? Can you feel the high expectations, suffer with him? We must rely on Christ. As Ron, I wrote, Yea, come unto Christ and be perfected in him and deny yourself of all ungodliness and love God with all your might, mind, and strength. Then is his grace sufficient for you. 
that by his grace you may be perfect in Christ, that you may become holy without spot. His grace is sufficient. We cannot save ourselves, but Christ can make us holy. Many of you are embarking on parenthood. Many others will soon be. Others will have deep and rich association with children in other capacities. I challenge you to receive these little ones in the name of Jesus Christ by treating them and loving them in a Christ-like way. Help your children feel Christ's love by the way you treat them. I also challenge you to have faith that you have been atoned for. Yes, you. I invite you to be a little child and hear Christ's voice, live his expectations and doctrines and commandments to the best of your ability. Little by little, become what God intended you to become. Struggle because he loves you and you love him as a little child. And then God will receive you in Jesus Christ's name. My testimony is strengthened as I have seen people in many walks of life hearing Christ's voice. I am strengthened by us, our BYU-Idaho family, and others who are living his doctrines and commandments to the best of our ability. We are being taught as little children and are receiving others in Christ's name. I see many being peacemakers and ministering to others. We are all striving to have faith in Christ and to repent and be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. I testify that I see with my experiences that Jesus Christ Church has been restored, that the keys of the kingdom of God are working in the lives of the saints. I see the gathering in you, students, by your silent testimonies of obedience and integrity. And why? Because Jesus Christ is our King of Kings. He is our Lord of Lords. And I testify he is gathering you and I. If we can but abide in him, we will, he will abide in us and make us his. I testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.